Can we stand together in honor of God's word? We are continuing a series we started called The Spirit-Filled Life in the book of Ephesians. This morning's topic is contending for your inheritance. Here we go. In him, speaking of Christ, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance, until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Would you pray with me, please? Father, thank you. Would you help our hearts to expand, to grasp at some level the inheritance that Jesus died that every believer could have? Help us to see it, and then help us to see our need to contend for it. Father, we love you, we praise you, we thank you, and we, Holy Spirit, we welcome you as the only true teacher. Hide me behind the cross so that we can hear you and we can respond to you. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So Paul says, we have obtained an inheritance. And then just a few verses later, he says, we will, in the end, acquire possession of this inheritance. So there's actually two parts to the inheritance. There's some now, and there's some that is coming. And as we will see in a few moments... This inheritance, Jesus died so that he could leave an inheritance for those who believe. It's absolutely stunningly incomparable. The riches, the value of what we have in Christ is absolutely amazing. However, the will is being contested. I want you to think for a moment, if you inherited billions of dollars... Somebody left that billions of dollars, and, and, but people were fighting you over it. What would you do? You would get yourself a good lawyer. That's what you would do. So here's what God has done. He's given us this inheritance to those who believe. This inheritance is being contested. The Ephesians, which gives us the big picture of what's going on, what God's plan was. Uh, in Ephesians 6, we hear about the war. There is a thief that is trying to steal whatever is not nailed down. We are in a spiritual war right now, and it's all about this inheritance. And so God left us the Holy Spirit. He is called heaven's counselor. He is not just here to convict us of sin. Thank God he's here to convict us to sin and bring us to Jesus. But he is here, it says in 1 Corinthians 2.12, to show us those things that God has freely given to us. Freely means grace. What, what God's grace has given to us, the Holy Spirit is here to help us understand what is ours so that we can nail it down, so that we can contend for it. So, here we go. Only two points. First, contending for what will be ours. So Paul says that the Holy Spirit is the guarantee for our inheritance. 
Now, that word guarantee, in another translation, it says he is the down payment on our inheritance. Another translation says he is the first installment of our inheritance. So most of what is coming is not here yet. That is coming later. Listen to Ephesians chapter 2, 4 through 7. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Now, America, we don't like this. We want it now. We want what is ours now. And unfortunately, the lion's share, a down payment means a small part now that gives a promise for the greater part later. It, the Bible says, it, 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 man has not seen, nor has ear heard, nor has it entered our heart what God has prepared for those who love him. What is coming, folks, is off the charts, and it's going to take all eternity to unpack the incomparable riches that you and I belong to. We are joint heirs with Christ of all that God has. The wonder after wonder after wonder will blow us away in eternity. As the song says, I can only imagine. I can only imagine what's coming. Delayed gratification. Most of what a Christian's going to get is not here yet. It's coming later. We have eternity in our hearts, but live in time. Listen to 2 Corinthians 5. This is 1 through 5. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling. Because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened. Because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. So God has created you and I for eternity. Then he put us in these tents, Right now, your body right now is a tent. It is a, a, a temporary dwelling. And the Bible says we're burdened by the tent. This, this, is a, this is a burden because there's something in us that is longing for that new body, that resurrected body, that eternal body, that permanent house that God has prepared. That salvation starts now, but it will only be completed when Jesus comes back and those who have died in Christ, that seed will raise up and the imperishable body will be given. And those who are alive when Christ comes back, in the twinkling of an eye, this mortal body will become immortal in the air. Amazing. We, we were created for this, and there is a burden down here as we are waiting for the completion 
of what is, what is going to be ours. Now, it is very important that we don't oversell Christianity, what Christianity gives in this life. Or it's going to lead to tremendous disillusionment and disappointment. Right now, we're, 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 we're still in this body. We are still feeling the burden. The Bible says the outer man is decaying. The inner man is being renewed. We're getting through this time. But it's going to be worth it. Ecclesiastes 3, 10 and 11 explains the burden that God has put on the human race. That God has set eternity in our hearts and then he hasn't let us know the beginning or the end. So we're living in time, even though we've been created for eternity, and this is the burden that every human being carries. We, we are not given the puzzle box. Whenever you put together a puzzle, the first thing you do is, is set that box up so you know what we're making and what it's going to be, and then you pick up a piece and it makes total sense because there it is. It's that flower there. It's that sky there. It's that whatever you're making. It, it, it all makes sense. So we get puzzle pieces without the puzzle box, and we have to trust that he makes all things beautiful in his time. And, but this, this is the burden. Eternity's in our heart, but we can't see where this is going. We can't see what it's becoming. So we have to deal with our life and say, okay, God, I have no idea how this dark piece could possibly be part of it, but I'm going to trust you. Romans 8, 28, he works all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. These days are very interesting to me. I, did a, I got to do a funeral on Friday for a man that this couple had become part of our congregation during COVID, and they live in Florida. They're originally from here, but they've lived in Florida for 25 years, and they started watching online, and this is their church, and the funeral is going to be back here, and they consider me their pastor. Could, could you do this service? I'm, absolutely. What an honor and what a privilege. But I talked about thinking about this life as a womb, and, and, and so, so stay with me on this. So uh, a, a, a baby has been conceived and is in the womb. And it's in the womb nine months. And you can imagine if you talk to that baby, that baby is, this is all that baby knows. And so it's secure. There's not a lot of movement. And it's very dark. But that baby doesn't know. That's all that baby knows. And so the idea of being born could be terrifying to that baby. And so you'd have to explain. You know, being born is a passage to, to tremendous beauty and to tremendous freedom. You don't even know how dark it is here. You don't even know how restricted you are here. You haven't really even begun to live yet. When you're born, you're going to see there's a beautiful world out there. There's a sun that's shining. It's amazing. You're going to be able to walk around. It's, there's going to be tremendous freedom. So this is what God has done. You are only on this earth. The, the, the man that we buried on Friday, who's 61 years old. You might get 70, maybe you'll get 80, maybe you'll even get 90. I talked to somebody today that they were celebrating their grandma's 100th birthday. Maybe you'll make 100, I don't know. Doesn't matter. It's just a womb. This whole life is just a womb. 
What you are created for, you haven't even been born into yet. You and I were made for eternity. The freedom and the beauty and the glory that is coming is off the charts. And any price that you have to pay between now and then is worth it. I want to give you two truths. Your journey seems long and will soon be over. Here's truth one. Your journey seems long. Because we're in these tents and because we're burdened in these tents, we say things like this. I just got to get through the day. I don't know how I'm going to get through the day. I just got to get through this week. This has been a horrible year. I'm so glad this year is over. And, And when life is hard, every day, every minute seems really long and really hard, and and am I going to make it? It seems long, but here's the second truth. It will soon be over. The Bible says when we look back on this life, it will appear to us as a vapor, as one breath. It's like, oh my, while I was living it, it seemed so long, but it was actually just like that compared to eternity. So, don't Lose your inheritance like Esau lost his. Hebrews chapter 12, 15 through 16. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by it many be defiled. That there be no immoral or godless person like Esau who sold his own birthright for a single meal. So the grace of God has given us two main promises in this passage. One is to help us to forgive people. Ultimately, you, and we did this a couple weeks ago, so I'm not going to go into it, but ultimately you will choose between being bitter and unforgiving and having your birthright. You will choose... I mean, God will let you hold on to bitterness for a while, but eventually you got to decide, do I want to be a Christian? Because this is not a non-essential. This is an essential. You must forgive. The Bible says if we don't forgive, ultimately the Father in heaven will not forgive us. So this is non-optional. You need to forgive. And we say, I can't. Well, change it to I won't. And now now we can get somewhere because the grace of God has been given to help you. The grace of God can help you let go of stuff that you think you can't let go of, and it will be worth it. You say, well, Pastor Tom, it would be unjust for me to let go of it. Listen, what, what we do in forgiving is leave judgment to Jesus. We recognize Jesus is the judge, not me. And so it's not that they're not gonna experience some judgment, it's just we're not the ones to do it. We need to forgive. It's an essential. And here's the second essential, sexual purity. It's an essential. It says that, once again, let none of you fall short of the grace of God, that no one give in to immorality, and like Esau, give away your inheritance for a single meal. So let's just talk about this for a little. Right now, this is the meal that the enemy is serving the human race. Sexual freedom. I have a right to have sex with whoever I want to, whenever I want to, um, because, that, because that's how I was made, and that's what I desire, and that's what I want, and, and this is one of those non-essentials. Listen, this is not a non-essential. This is an absolute essential, and 
God is calling his church to be sexually pure. He is calling us to rein in our sexual desires, and he's given a place for them to be expressed rightly in marriage, and God expects that, and he wants that. He wants us to value our inheritance so much that we are willing to wait. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't believe that. I don't believe that. I don't think God's like that. I, I think God is good, and if God made me with sexual desire, then I should fulfill. Listen, listen. Jacob, who, whose name means deceiver, has made a meal for Esau. It is Esau's favorite meal. God has given Esau taste buds. He's given Esau a sense of smell. This, this meal will satisfy something in Esau. And Jacob's got this meal made. It's his favorite meal. And, he's, it's and, and he comes in and Esau says, I want that stew. And Jacob says, and you can have it. But first, give me your birthright. And the Bible says that Esau despised his birthright. And he chose that meal. God expected him, and he expects you and I to place so much value on the inheritance that's coming that we do not let the deceiver take it now, that we do not exchange it because so that we can meet our desire now, so that we can say we're sexually free now. This is and essential, and I know that you hate to hear it. I know the church wants to say it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. God understands, God understands, God. Here, let me be very clear. God doesn't understand. Now you say, Pastor Tom, why are you so mean? It, 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 here's, here's, here's why. Here's why. I love you so much. I don't want you to lose on your inheritance. I don't want you to lose it because of your sexuality and because of your desires and because of your, quote, freedom. I don't want you to lose it. And so, well, Pastor Tom, it's too late. I, you know, my, oh, my, I've done this, done that, done that. Listen, it's not too late. It is not too late. The grace of God. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God. There is grace for you. Grace that's greater than your sexual desire. Grace that can forgive. Grace that can wash you. Grace that can give you a new beginning. Grace that can heal whatever it is that seems to be so strong. The grace of God. God wants you to make it. God is for you. And he is for me. Contending for what is going to be ours. How do you do it? In a word, you persevere. The whole book of Hebrews is about the danger of falling away and that the whole book of Hebrews is about it's not enough just to believe. You need to keep believing. You need to persevere. You need, you, those who endure to the end will be saved. Everybody that finishes wins, but you gotta finish. Even if you're in bad shape, once you get there, you, got, you, you win. Everybody that finishes wins. Now here's two things that I want you to consider. Number one, for a believer in Jesus Christ, this is the only hell you will ever experience. And it's not that bad. It's not perfect. If you're looking for perfect, you, you need to get in a different world. In Jesus Christ, this is the only hell that you will ever experience. And it's not that bad. Now, I want you to hear clearly the second thing I say. 
This is the most important thing. For the unbeliever, this is the only heaven they will experience, and it's not that good. Do you see why we need to take as many people to heaven with us as possible? There's nothing worth forfeiting your birthright. There's, no, there's nothing worth forfeiting your future inheritance that Jesus died so that you could have, so that you could be with him forever, so that he could bless you and lavish grace upon you. The, the, Jesus said, if, if it's your eye, cut it out. If it's your arm, cut, hand, cut it off. There's nothing, there's nothing, Jesus said, when you get on the other side, you're gonna, you're gonna see it was whatever sacrifice you made, it was worth it. Make sure that you finish. Make sure that you finish in Christ. So let's talk about point two, last point, contending for what is ours now. So here's Ephesians 1, 7. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. So redemption in that day had to do with somebody that was a slave. A slave is owned by somebody, and for every slave, there was a price that could be paid that would redeem them. And once that price was paid, you, were no, you no longer belonged to that owner. You were free. It was for your freedom. So God uses this term, and he says, I came to redeem you. You were owned by something else. You were owned by sin. You were owned by sin, and the holiness of God demanded that to get free from sin, a price needed to be paid. There needed to be an innocent sacrifice that died in your place for you and I to be redeemed. This is why Jesus came into the world. This is why God took on, a, on human flesh. He became the perfect sacrifice to free us from the slavery, the power the consequence and the shame of our sin. Here's what it says in 1 Peter 1.18, that we were redeemed, not with gold and silver, which is how they would redeem people in that day, but we were redeemed with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, a spotless lamb without any blemish. Jesus came into this world, folks, not to be a good example, even though he was the best example ever. He didn't come in the world to teach, even though he was the greatest teacher. Jesus came into the world to die for you and me so that he could redeem us from sin. Through his blood, any sin can be forgiven. Through his blood, no matter how bad, how much, all sins can be washed by the blood of Jesus. That's why he came. This is part of our inheritance, is we are redeemed from sin. Here's the second part. Verse 5, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. He didn't just redeem us from sin. It was for adoption. So this is, this is the second part. He has made us, by grace, favored children of God. Now, the reason why it's used sons is because in that day, both Roman and Jewish sons were the ones that got the inheritance. So if you want to get the inheritance, you need to be a son of God. And so he has made us all sons or inheritors before 
him. This is our adoption. This is by grace. This is, he pulled us not just out of Egypt, but he brought us into the promised land. So he took us out of sin and then into Christ. We are in Christ now. We have been adopted into Jesus Christ. So our identity is what God is making us. So look at Romans 8:29. God, who God foreknew, he also predestined that we might become conformed into the image of Christ. God is making you on the inside like Jesus. He's making you as beautiful as his son. Outwardly, we're all beautiful to God. He made us all different. Stop rejecting what God has made. Well, my ears are too big. My nose is too big. My, my, I'm not tall enough. I'm, 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 stop it. The enemy holds up one outward beautiful person and says everybody else is ugly. And we agree with him oftentimes. And stop it. Stop rejecting how God has made you. But we're being, we're, being, we're being conformed into the image of God. God's working on us. He's making us beautiful. So our identity is not in our past. It's in what we're becoming. The Bible says this in 2 Corinthians 5.17, that the old things, if anybody's in Christ, anybody is in Christ, whether you're in Christ this morning or you got in Christ 20 years ago, if anybody's in Christ, the old is passing away and behold, the new is here. God sees us through what we are becoming. The world sees us through our past and and and. And there's a lot of helpfulness and recognizing I do what I do because of how I was brought up and because I got this wound and because I got that wound and, and to recognize here's where I am and here's why I'm like this. And there's tremendous value in that, especially if you forgive your past and let God heal your past. But it's really important that you recognize that's not how God sees you. God is calling to you out of your past into Jesus, into becoming the beauty that he has conformed you to be. He is excited about what he is making. And so when we get dwelling on our regrets and dwelling on our past sins and dwelling, God's like, I'm not even talking about that. I forget. That's why I died on the cross. I forgave that. Come on, let's, let's get on with this. So Tuesday night, we had uh, the deacons up here and a, a precious woman gave a prophetic word about strengthening weak knees. And uh, that term is from Hebrews chapter 12, and I want to read this to you, starting in verse 11. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. So here is the context of Hebrews chapter 12. He starts off by saying, he quotes Proverbs 3, 10 and 11. He says, listen, the fact that you're being disciplined, the fact that you're going through hard times, the fact that you've got pain in your life is not a sign of God's rejection. God disciplines those he accepts. He trains those who he delights in. So this is the context so what happens is when we're going through life's difficulties and life pains and life's confusion, the enemy comes and he tries to tell us 
that God doesn't love us, that God isn't for us, and that God's mad at us, and he doesn't like us that much anyway, and this is why all of this is happening. And, what, and the effect of that is we become disabled. We, we become on the sidelines, and we end up looking at other people doing Christianity, but we aren't in anymore. We are disconnected. We might still go to church. We might still read our Bible once in a while. We certainly want to believe in Jesus because we want to go to heaven one day, but we're not really in anymore because we've, we've believed something that's wrong. He's trying to steal your present adoption and what it means to be adopted by God. Listen to me. The very pain that the enemy wants to disable you with, God said it's there to heal you. God wants to take our lives and, and heal us. And, and you and I, if, if, if it was our purpose, it, our purpose would be that we would be happy and comfortable right now and every day. And this is how God shows me that he loves me so much, by making me happy and comfortable right now. And God says, no, uh, I, I'm not calling you according to your purpose. I'm calling you according to my purpose. And my purpose, I want to make you beautiful. I want to make you strong. I want to make you gold. I want to refine you. And discipline, guys, is not just correction. Well, I'm going through something because God must be correcting me for something. No, discipline's also training. It, it's, I want to train you for the ministry I have. I want to train you for future things. So God says, don't get misled because you're going through a hard time to think that somehow I don't delight in you. You are my delight. Strengthen your weak knees. You are my beloved. My, you, I cherish you. My eyes are on you. I want you to make it. I am for you, not against you. Let's do this. Strengthen weak knees. So here is the third part of our inheritance now. And God has given the Holy Spirit as a guarantee. God didn't just give us a promise. He gave us a person. Ephesians 5.18, be being filled with the Spirit. God said, in the last days, I'm doing a new thing. I'm going to pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, on sons, daughters, men, women, rich, poor, every race, every tribe. I am pouring out my Spirit. This dispensation is the time that we can live filled with the Holy Spirit. Even as we're in this process, this painful process, and maybe we're not very Christian yet, we're not very holy yet, but God's working on us. But even so, you can be filled with the Spirit right now. You can be filled with the Spirit. It's so intimate. God says, I want to fill you with the Spirit every day, and He will give you joy in the process. He will reveal my delight in you in the process. I'm not waiting for you to get better before I enjoy. I enjoy you right now. I want you to know my joy. I want you to know my presence. You have access to my presence right now every single day. It is the mark of this age. The Holy Spirit is here. That's why we're doing River Rising tonight. We're going to get used to this, guys. We're going to get used to living in his presence. It's part of the inheritance now. The enemy will do anything he can to fight you and I from living filled with the Spirit. He, we're going to learn how to do this. We're going to learn how to do it better. None of us are ever going to be perfect at it, but we're going to learn how to do this better. So we're going to have communion, but to get us ready, could we just bow our heads for just a moment? Jesus died on a cross, not for himself, but for you, so that you could have an inheritance. He wants you. 
The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. This is what we've earned for our sinning. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. A gift is something that comes to you for free, but somebody else paid for it. This, this was a very expensive gift. It cost Jesus his own life to give you this gift. The Bible says, today, Jesus himself says this, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone, anyone, doesn't matter how long you've sinned, how badly you've sinned, how much you've sinned, how controlled by sin you are or an addiction, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. I will be with him. I will sup with him. The Bible says in John 1, he came to his own, his own received him not, but to as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become the children of God. So if that's you today, you're not sure that your sins are forgiven, you're not sure you would go to heaven if you died, you're not sure Jesus lives in you and the Holy Spirit lives in you, but you believe Jesus is knocking today with every head bowed and every eye closed because this is just between you and God. Somebody help me open my door and I delight to help others open their door. I just have a little prayer that you repeat. Jesus, thank you for loving me. Wow. How can someone like you love someone like me? You are amazing. Lord, I want to thank you for dying for me on the cross. I want to thank you, God, for knocking on my door, getting me into this service today. And Lord, right now, by faith, I open my door and say, Jesus, come in and save me and wash me and cleanse me. And Holy Spirit, fill me and help me, not just to believe today, but to have a relationship that I become stronger and stronger as the days go by. Thank you for hearing this prayer in Jesus' name.